What it is, what is up, what is good, gamers? This is Kevin, a.k.a. Shonuff71, and your auditory canals are tuned into Season 5, Episode 14 of the Gaming Vessels Podcast. And as usual, I am not in the digital studio alone. Along with me are my partners in crime. We got Dez, the Bay Area Terror. What's going on, brother? Not much, everybody. I hope you're all doing well. Um, survived your Black Friday massacre and uh, got all the deals <laughs> you wanted. Indeed, indeed. Recuperating from that, dealing with that post-Turkey Day uh, wrath. Tryptophan, tryptophan wrath, or whatever they call that that chemical. Yeah, tryptophan, yeah. Tryptophan, <laughs> yes. And of course, our show would be a no-go without Trader Joe, a.k.a. the Food Max of Gaming, who will maximize your gaming dollar. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Just uh, taking a day of rest after all these Black Friday and Thanksgiving Day shenanigans. Uh, no tryptophan here. I had a quarter pounder with cheese and a fries for my Thanksgiving feast. So yeah. <laughs> it's life of a single man right here. Yeah, that's Bing. a whole nother type of. Oh, man. Well, you know, you know, you had a you had an open invite here because it was oh, we had I mean, we had turkey and steak and dressing and, oh, damn. you know, all that stuff. You know, I, I should have hit you up. I was like, you know, I figured I'd wait to hear from you. And it's like, why am I dude, being I told, a, I, told I know, you I'm being so damn over. indecisive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> oh. oh, man, but it's all right. It's all right. Uh, I'll make it up for Christmas. I'll make it up for Christmas. <laughs> well, so. well, Christmas, we're not we're not eating here. We're because I'm working throughout. I'm working through the, uh, oh, Christmas forgot. and New Year's. So we're we're uh, eating at Ruth Chris. Oh, dang it! Uh, there you go. Yeah. So I mean, you're more than welcome to join, but you gotta pay for your own meal. <laughs> <laughs> might be eating McDonald's again. <laughs> uh, I might, I might uh, upgrade to Denny's. We'll, we'll see if I could I could trade up to get some Ruth Chris uh, gift cards at GameStop or something. <laughs> mm, it would be good. Wouldn't surprise me if they sell them. <laughs> Probably. But uh, our first topic that we're going to get into is the news. We're going to talk about what's been going on a little bit in the gaming industry over this past week. So, Trader Joe, why don't you hit the folks up with what you were able to find? Well, what I found, I had plenty to choose from, but I have curated. Some news that is interesting to me and hopefully to you fellows and also to our listeners. So, uh, first item, it kind of caught me with a little tear in my eye. Uh, but uh, last year there was a rumor that Bandai Namco was working on Ridge Racer 8 exclusively for the Nintendo Switch. Now, while there was never any official announcement made, Regarding this, uh, this project has now been axed, according to the YouTube channel Dr. 81 on here. So I guess he saw a update in a LinkedIn profile for a former Bandai Namco Singapore Studios employee who used to be a senior software engineer at the company and was the lead engineer on two unannounced and canceled titles using, using Unreal Engine 4. So uh, basically the titles that he worked on 
were the um, shelved Metroid Prime 4 that uh, Bandai Namco Singapore was working on. And the other game was the Switch-only title, Ridge Racer, Ridge Racer 8, if I could say that three times real fast before, uh, you know, my tongue turns to mush on there. So, and uh, it's kind of sad because I've been waiting for this game to make its comeback for a year in a day. And it just seems like Bandai Namco do not know what to do with it. And I am clamoring for an arcade racer to come back. You know, it just seems like everything is just sim, 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 sim. Even Forza Horizon, you know, series tends to, I, I want to drift and I want to turn corners and I want, you know, upbeat, like, you know, techno music. And I just miss, miss Ridge Racer in general. I miss, uh, you know, old school racing games from the 90s on there. So I want to get your guys' take, gentlemen, uh, Kev. You that know, is sad news. Would this be something that would hit that sweet spot, in your opinion? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been a Ridge Racer fan from the original the, the original PlayStation days. I, um, oh gosh, well, I can't remember if it was, was it Ridge Racer 3? There was, it was, it was on the original PlayStation. Yeah, PlayStation, they had a Ridge Racer, like Ridge Racer Revolution. Um, I think I forgot the third one, but I know the fourth one was Type Four. That was the last one for the PS One, and that okay. was probably the best. Out it of might have been. It might. It might have been because I the 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 reason why I remember that that one. If I'm thinking it's Type Four, if it might have been Revolution, I still have the disc. It's at my mother's house. Yeah. Um, the what I liked about it is that you could uh, customize the livery on your cars. And the soundtrack was super dope. Yeah, uh, no, the soundtrack back then was like... I, the third game was Rage Racer. I remember that for a fact. I just kind of recall okay. that right now. So, so it was like... Yeah, Ridge Racer Type 4, yeah. And then uh, from there, uh, Ridge Racer 5 was a PS2 launch title mm-hmm. on there. Um, Ridge Racer 6 was an Xbox 360 launch title. Uh, Ridge Racer 7 was a port of Ridge Racer 6 that came out for the PS3. And then from there, that was pretty much it. Uh, there was some, there's like an excellent couple of sequels for the PSP, Ridge Racer and Ridge Racers uh, 2 on there, especially Ridge Racers 2 on the PSP was just the bomb. It was like um, like a remix of a bunch of different tracks on there. And so I really liked that one. Yeah, I think uh, from there, I think there was a DS title, uh, 3DS. It was like Ridge Racer on the 3DS, 3D, and I'd never played that. You know, pl- using a 3DS with the stylus control to do, uh, tr- you know, drifting doesn't sound all that great. And that then, sounds rough. I know. That's uh, hopefully uh, people got enjoyment out of that. And I know they tried to reboot, and they like. Uh, Released Ridge Racer Unchained was the last game to come out in that series, and that was from Bugbear, the same people that did um, Wreckfest. And mm-hmm. while that's good, it was not Ridge Racer. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I yeah, mean, that's pretty, unfortunate, man. Yeah, I would have. I think that would have just hit that sweet spot. I, for one, getting a decent racing game for the Switch on there. You have any uh, ties to Ridge Racer at all, Diz? Not really. I didn't really get into super arcadey stuff like you guys did. 
um, it just became one of those things where, like, I would, I don't know, I never really got into racing games, uh, but I understand, you know, the 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 love of the love of them. So, so yeah. Good deal, man. I mean, yeah, the, well, the... again, the only races that I usually got into were the were the ones that were uh, like spaceship type racing and stuff like that. You know, oh, like F Zero Wipeout or something like that. Yeah, yeah, F Zero definitely Wipeout. Um, a couple other ones, but yeah, the actual you know tires on road and the sim ones I didn't really get into. Just never did. Gotcha. Well, I'll have to see if Grid kind of hits that spot or not. You'll have to let us know, Kev, once it gets out of your backlog. On sure. that. Actually, I played Grid. I played Grid earlier this evening. I'll be able to talk a little bit about it when we get to our playlist. Good deal. And if anyone out there, if you have memories of Ridge Racer, definitely uh, you know, let us know. I mean, pretty much, uh, you know, it's one of these long-running franchises where I'm, I'm going to fire up my PS3 and play some Ridge Racer 7 probably in the next week or two. Just to get a taste on there. So, but next news story: um, Koei Tecmo and Gust has finally revealed the release date for the uh, Fairy Tale RPG. On there, uh, it's going to be available worldwide on March nineteenth, twenty twenty. Um, various digital bonuses in Japan were also announced during the live stream that they had. Um, and if you're not familiar, this is the game that's based on the uh, Shonen Jump property, Fairy Tale popular you know manga and also anime series on that so and uh, developers at Tecmacoe Gust uh, the uh, the holders of the Atelier series are working on this and it's a definitely it is an RPG it's based in the fairy tale world on there and I'm just kind of interested and I've been even though I haven't really read the manga or watched any of the anime it's something to where if I do get into the game, it might kind of have a bridge to for me to check out you know, either the anime or the manga on there. So, have you ever watched Fairy Tale, Kev, or have you delved into that um, particular series? I have not. Um, I think I might have watched part of the very first episode because I want to say that the anime series has concluded. I might be wrong, but I, I, I want to say that it has concluded. But as it, I, it seems interesting. I just never I just never got around to actually jumping and you know getting going at it whole hog and finding out what what it's all about. Um, so no, I wish I had a uh, and I never read the manga either. So I, I wish I had more of a connection to the series, but unfortunately, I just don't. I, I'm kind of looking for the game to kind of be my bridge to see if I'm interested in the story and kind of go from there on there. And I, I think something that, you know, especially when you're, if you're not consuming, you know, media in one uh, particular, you know, aspect, like, you know, as far as reading the manga or, you know, watching the anime, that's something that you could still get into the universe a little bit. And so I'll definitely be checking it out. It definitely is on my radar be able to take a look i know the gameplay you're on a five member party system and it's using a grid-based action rpg on there so we'll have to see if it's full turn-based or whether it's uh something to where it has a little bit more of an active type of style to it but uh, definitely keep an eye out for it so any interest in this des at all or something that you might check out i know nothing about fairy tale so i can't say yay or nay to that um, I mean, it seems kind of cool. 
Um, but again, I don't really know anything about it. So. Yeah, one thing that's cool too is they're bringing it out for Xbox. It's launching for all systems right at launch. So you know, whether it's coming out physical for Xbox, we'll to see on there. So or they talked about bringing it to Xbox. It, it's going to launch on PS4, Switch, and PC on there. You know, I think you know, unfortunately, because of the Xbox's uh, um, you know lack of of share in Japan, that they're bringing it out for Xbox. On there, I, I did find articles. Games producers are aware there's a demand for an Xbox One release as well, but it doesn't seem to happen at least now, uh, currently. So I do correct what I stated before about that, but we'll definitely keep an eye out for it as it comes out later in March of next year. On that, okay. And then next news story, I saw a tweet from Kevin, and I noticed that uh, uh, John Woo's Stranglehold has returned on PC uh, thanks to. G- good old games on there so it looks like this game never got re-picked up after midway went bankrupt and it got announced that gog good old games is going to be the exclusive platform that's selling stranglehold for pc with the game retailing for 10 bucks on there if you're unfamiliar with stranglehold it was a shooter that helped produced uh it was helped produced by um john woo a famous Chinese producer and director on there. Stranglehold was meant to be a video game sequel to Hard Boiled. And uh, I enjoyed the game when it was on PS3 and Xbox 360. And it looks like it might be something special if it runs well on PC, except that I might pick up later to just, you know, have it in my library, at least it, on Super the Greatest mode on that. So any interest from you two to check out Stranglehold again? I don't really remember it, <laughs> to be completely honest. I mean, that sounds bad, but like I remember the name and I remember kind of what was happening, but I don't really remember. I don't really remember the 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 gameplay or anything. So I don't really. I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and it's basically, it's a John Woo Max Payne. Yeah, that's it's the all best bullet way time. to describe it. It's all bullet yeah. time. You're dodging Chow, and Chow sliding Yon everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, huh. Basically, like a video game version, a sequel to Hard Boiled, if you remember Hard Boiled. Oh, course, yeah, I remember. So. Yeah. Wow. So. Okay. I mean, Hell, I if you still have the 360 or PS3 hooked up, you could probably go find it uh, for a little to nothing if you want to play it on the console versus grabbing the PC version. So, now, when you come for Christmas, I'll show it to you if you're curious. I do have a copy for PS3. So, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, I'd probably be, be de- I'd probably be interested in checking that out. Yeah, me too. And ten bucks is not too bad. Oh, yeah, so. All right, and then last news story. There was kind of a hubbub a little bit that this has happened to be based on a tweet from Phil Spencer, the uh, president of Xbox, on there. So he did make a mention earlier in the week about a comment about VR on there. So he made a mention the fact that even though that he does enjoy VR, uh, it's not going to be a focus for the Scarlet. And I think the one of the quotes had to be to said uh, that, uh, that, you know, no one's asking for VR. He said in the interview recently on there. So, 
when it becomes in the Xbox space. Uh, the vast majority of our customers know if they want a VR experience, there's places to go get those. He explained to the company's decision. For us, it's about focus on our innovations right now. It's just not our focus with Scarlet on here. And so I know that uh, people were giving them some feedback on Twitter on there, including uh, uh, Ryan McCaffrey, the head of the IGN uh, Xbox podcast. Uh, and uh, there was basically saying that uh, you can't really discount saying that these games are like a novelty, not worth pursuing, you know, and then you got to look at that AAA development is being, you know, obviously invested by both Sony, Valve, and Oculus about it. So, and Phil Spencer came back to state fair feedback. I said publicly, I always love our industry has pioneered certain tech for us. It's all about focus on our innovations. I played some great VR games. I got to play Half-Life Alex in the summer. It's amazing. It's just not our focus. So, so a lot of back and forth, but you're not getting VR for any Xbox platform anytime soon on there. So if any Xbox fans out there might be listening, uh, you have to go find VR uh, elsewhere if need be. So, so what do you think of all this back and forth, Kev? Um, well, it almost like he took a page out of good old Donnie D's uh, playbook, where he said, "If if you wanted, if you want a system that's offline, we have the system, we have that console for you, the Xbox 360." Yes. Uh, because the funny part is that when uh, Project, what was it, Project, uh, I forget what it, what it was, uh, uh, the Xbox One X was first announced and talked about what what was that E3 what 4 years ago 5 years ago now Oh you talk about what the probably the one X and the, yeah the Anaconda the, the Anaconda yeah uh, I forgot what they called of, it Yeah well, the one of the main selling points was that this console would be powerful enough to give you a much better VR experience than what was available on the on the PS4 Pro and you know that well, this 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 is the beast. You know, it's got all the power that you're going to need to to run VR. And the thing about it is that Microsoft was in a position to just partner up with companies, third parties, companies that already had a VR headset out on the market already. You know, they could have partnered with Valve. They could have partnered with Oculus. They could have. You know, Microsoft themselves have a, a VR headset that is not uh, that AR thing that's $4,000, but they also have a uh, uh, their own in-house VR headset that is used for, I think it's used on Surface and a couple other, uh, a couple other, you know, on PC and other applications like that. So it's not like Microsoft would have had to pull out some R&D money to put their own headset on the market they could have just partnered with a third party and it's just you know it's just another thing that that they've they've had to backpedal on and you know it could be that the obviously what what he's saying here is that their focus has changed you know but then again you know well we're they're focusing on games but i mean they really have been focusing on games this generation in my opinion all that much either they've been focusing on getting their services together they've been focusing on 
putting you into an ecosystem which has you consistently paying, you know, whatever your whatever your your preferred tier uh for the services that they put out you know and that's all well and good if they if that's your thing but to kind of dismiss it the way he did uh and saying oh well you know our fans weren't weren't asking for it well yeah they were because that was the selling point of the one X when it was first announced. Oh, we'll be able to, we'll be ha- able to have uh, better VR experiences, uh, the best VR experiences on the console. And like they said, like I said, they had other options to uh, make a headset compatible without having to develop their own. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's it's just it's just Uncle Phil being Uncle Phil, <laughs> in in my opinion. So you know. People uh, called him out on it, and I think they called him out rightfully so. Uh, at least they acknowledged it. That's a good thing. You know, he could have ignored it or something on there. It was Project Scorpio. That Scorpio, was, yeah. 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 I remember when it was like unveiled, so powerful, it's almost unreal. It's like, unreal. Oh, it's, it's unfair. unfair. It's unfair. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny to me. Yeah. I still have a picture of the whole marketing speak of that thing. It's just like ridiculous. It's a it's a great console, you know, from all intents and purposes. It's just uh you know, wants so to got have... no games. It's got <laughs> services, but it ain't got no games. When well, I say when I say games, I'm talking about first party first right. party first party games that really show you what the console can really do. I mean well they have one and that's Gears Five, which is very pretty uh, technical showcase for the One X, but I mean, come on, y'all, we're we're at the end of this console cycle, and well, the only thing we've really got to show for it is Gears Five, and I guess if you want to put in Forza Horizon Four, you know, that's 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 not a good track record. It, it really isn't. But you're forgetting um, Crackdown. <laughs> I think everybody wants to forget Crackdown. <laughs> I like Crackdown Coves. Don't I, I ain't one over here singing it, uh, you know, and it's like, of course, but I like Anthem too, but you know, Jeez. what does it say about me? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Joe. Um, I mean, hey, to to each his own. I thought I thought Crackdown one, they should have just done a uh, a remake. Uh, oh, Crackdown One, if if because I tried Crackdown Three and I I thought it was abysmal, but you know it is what it is. You know, it just got somewhere boring. out there, so, somebody out there likes Superman sixty four. So you know, it, it's it's wow. Who who? Wow. Well, you're you're equating Crackdown Three to Superman sixty four. <laughs> I think different he is. Strokes for different folks, sir. I think but, he is. That's uh, what I said. I said, you know, it's it's far from me to to, to, to tell anybody, you oh, know, I, what games man. what games they like. like. I mean, it's it's just like them fine words. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about that business. <laughs> I, I enjoy Crackdown Three quite a bit. Me, hey, me and Des got some uh, good multiplayer action going on for a little bit. Yeah, right? for a little bit. It wasn't that bad for a little bit. You know, like I said, my favorite game of all time is God Hand, and a lot of people hated it. So, oh, know, I know, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, guys are dumb. IGN uh, four out of ten. I God Hand was ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> review because that game is pretty damn awesome. So, so. But, 
I digress. That's pretty much all of our news for uh, this week. Uh, there was one aside that uh, the uh, Halo Reach portion of the Halo Master Chief Collection will be hitting Xbox One and PC on December the 3rd. So it's coming out literally like in a few days from now on there. So, And if you're an Xbox Games Pass member, of course, there's wonderful services, as Kevin referenced just a little bit ago, will be available for your choosing on there as Bungie's last halo joint before they uh, did destiny so i, so I got a question it. do i have to download uh the master chief collection to get to get uh halo reach or can i download that separately i'm pretty sure you could probably download what you want and kind of pick and choose if need be so okay so well You'll have to see once you queue it up. I'm going to queue it up, too. So we'll talk about it more next week. Let's see. I believe the Master Chief Collection is downloaded in a way where you could download just the single-player portions of the campaigns, all the different campaigns with all the different games with the collection. I think it's pretty... um, It's where, you know, you could download only the games that you want from it. So Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I really don't want... that. Reach is the only one that I'm really kind of interested in playing. Um, yeah, it's as hitting of right now. Steam too, so that's another cool thing too. So Master Chief Collection will be out on Steam and be out for PC for the first time. That's going to be out later this week. So, mm-hmm. all right, that's all the news I got. Unless you guys had any more comments about anything I brought up. Um, I yeah. don't. Uh, we're good. We're good. All right, right. so we're gonna we're gonna jump right into what you know. Since we are talking, this has been a Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving week. Uh, Thanksgiving was just uh, four days four days ago, and uh, of course, the holiday that's just as apparently just if not more so important, at least if you're a retailer, is Black Friday. And I think all three of us went out and, uh, well, I know all three of us <laughs> went out and did some some Black Friday gets because uh, for for one of those days, we uh, we all kind of ran out there together uh, doing a little bit of shopping. So we're going to mention a little bit of what we were able to curate from our Black Friday adventure. So, Des, why don't you kick things off? Uh, what, if anything, did you acquire this year for this year's Black Friday? Alrighty, so for my Black Friday, I was very uh, happy because Joe uh, could kind of proxy, like I, I kind of lived via Joe by proxy. Which was kind of cool, you know. Joe went out there and he worked and got me some stuff. So um, he went to GameStop and got me a PS Pro, y'all, the white matte PS Pro. So I am now the owner of a PS Pro. Y'all can stop talking. PS4 about- Pro. PS4 Pro. Yes. Well, that's okay. there. There is no PS3 <laughs> Pro, is there? Uh, no. Okay then. So yes. A- uh, I just want to make sure and listeners weren't confused that you got like some sort of super hocked up PS1, you know, with like a battery in the back or something. Like no, it was, no, it was, a, it was the white PS, PS4 uh, Pro, which I was very happy to get. Um, it was really fun. So when I was, while I was there at uh, 
so basically, I, you know, Joe and Kev, you know, uh, they all live in my hometown. We all live in Fresno, and, and they went to, um, well, Joe, you know, he knows everybody. You know, he does. He, he knows everybody at, at, the, at the game, at GameStop. So they were, they were instrumental in, in kind of helping me get what I needed because they were like, hey, you know, Joe's like, you know, hey, can you go through and, and take care of this? And they were like, sure. So they held the game. And you know, um, I was able to yeah, pay. help the system. Yeah, we were yeah, we were originally going to buy this on past Sunday because that's when the console sales started for PlayStation. Yeah. And uh, I realized that in the uh, GameStop ad, they had the twenty five dollar gift card. So of course, we want to make sure everything all stacks and it's all nice and neat. So yeah, we had yeah. the system held until uh, the you know actual official black friday day which is thanksgiving day and i went and with your uh, gift card went ahead and bought the system so yeah you helped the brother out so i cannot be mad at joe so uh yeah so um and then i was having some problems with the uh with one of my other ps4s and so uh went to joe's and you know joe came came through and he he, he helped fix it which was very easy. I felt really dumb after watching him do it, but uh, but he helped me. Uh, he took care of my PS4. We got it. We got everything all ready. We're gonna trade it in uh, to get that stuff done. And um, yeah, yeah, your PS4 was ejecting disc and making beeping noises every like three seconds. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it was just it was annoying. So Joe, uh, in his infinite wisdom, you know, Frankenstein my stuff and made it work, and it was really kind of cool. <laughs> So, um, and then he, he, we all did, you know, transfers. We sat, we sat at his house and did transfers. So we transferred all of, all of my stuff to, um, save data. Yeah. Yeah. All the save data. So like Joe was just like, he was really helping, he was really helping a brother out. So, so we sat there and, and did all the, we, we switched everything over and switched all the other stuff over. We could and. Everything yeah, just, tell the audience, you, you bought a new SSD drive to install on the PS4 yep, Pro. So. Got a new SSD Put uh the the other um what is it the regular um what was it the regular we, we hard bought drive? A, we bought an yeah we bought enclosure. an enclosure and then we uh, put the um one terabyte hard drive into uh, external uh, enclosure so that he could have the space for a regular hard drive as yeah well. so Joe really Joe really hooked me up and then and then we transferred it over to the uh, to my much nicer uh, PS4. And so we're gonna trade in the other PS4. So it was really like Joe really Joe really came through and helped the brother out. I was like, yay! So, so uh, so that was really good. That was the biggest thing that 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 I, that I finally done was got a PS Pro. Um, and so, and I kept thinking to myself, well, you know, there's a PS5 coming out. Should I just wait? Because I'm probably gonna get that day one because it's the next console, you know, thing. But I said, but I said no. You know, I really wanted to get this, so I'm going to, you know, get this and um, uh, and then wait for the PS5 to come out. And then, you know, since I have the Pro, I don't know if it's going to be backwards compatible or not until it comes out. So I already have my PS3, so I might as well keep this, you know, Pro. So we'll see what happens. And then after that, um, I went and I bought a whole bunch of games online. Like I bought, uh, or I told you the other uh, on a on an earlier show, uh, like a week ago or so, told you that we had uh, the Black Friday st- uh, the Black Friday game started, um, 
so I told you about those games that I got, but then I ended up going with uh, Joe and Kev, and we started looking at various different places. So I got uh, Shadowbringers for Final Fantasy XIV, because I'm probably going to go back into that uh, for a little while. Every so often I get a wild hair, and I'll subscribe again, and I'll play it for like a month or two, and then I'll let the, sub the subscription lapse. But, you know, it's a fun game. I like to try it out. Also got, um, I think I got, no, I didn't buy Elsewhere. Elsewhere is on sale right now, but I think PSN is running a, a, a Black uh, a, sorry, a Cyber Monday deal with it for like thirteen dollars for for elsewhere, which is the new um, which is the newest thing for uh, Elder Scrolls Online. So I might try that again because I really like Elder Scrolls Online. Um, then I bought um, what else did I buy? I got a couple of other games. Got Dead Cells. Got Mega Man Eleven. Got um, Shadows Awakening, which is another Diablo clone that Joe showed me and it was really kind of cool. Yeah. I did some research and I thought, okay, cool. Because I took advantage of, um, GameStop's buy two, get one free. So I ended up playing, paying no, hardly any money for it. It was like 18 bucks. So for three games, and that was great. Um, yeah. And then Joe was nice enough to give me some doubles of PS3 games that I like, that, that I want, that I liked. One was, uh, uh, Dungeon Siege three. And the other one was gold, uh, not gold. And I was, uh, Something in that, uh, what was that game, Joe? 007? Yeah, yeah 007. Yeah, it's for PS3. Yeah, so I got that one. So I figured, you know, cool. I, I think that was pretty much it. Oh, okay. And then I bought, I bought a, there was a deal on a, uh, a, a, a um, I almost said DS, on a, a Switch Lite. Because I've been bringing my Switch around and taking my Switch around. And I haven't been, I haven't been enjoying taking it around. Because I bought all these Switch games for it, and now I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm just gonna go ahead and buy this Switch Lite because I found a deal on it. It was like 175 or something, you know, and so I I bought it, you know, with tax it came to about 190, but it still worked out, so it was like 20 bucks off. So it was good. Uh, expecting to get that soon. Bought um, Indivisible, played that at Joe's house. Great game. Um, yeah, so I just was just got random stuff, random, random stuff. And then I bought a TV for Cyber Monday for, for, for the front room. You know, I got a, I got a, you know, um, mid, mid tier 4k television, a specter at Walmart, having it delivered 50 ends for like 212 with tax. So I'm like, cool, you know, I'll pay that money for a, you know, for, for a decent television. Because, like, I'm not, like, top-of-the-line type of person. That's just not who I am. So, like, if it's good and you're not going to explode in my face killing me, I'll, I'll try you out, you know. So Rating, so, Ratings be damned. Well, yeah. you know, the ratings, the ratings on it were, were pretty good for what you're buying. Oh, yeah. So, so I'm talking about the website ratings, but, yeah. Oh, ratings. Well, uh, you know, I think ratings is, is, is a great website, and I, and I checked on there, and they had no uh, ratings for it. Which is fine, yeah. you know. It's it's a lower tier TV, you know. So I'm it's, sure it's, it's a 4K TV. It'll, yeah. it'll do its trick. Yeah, and all I really need, all I really needed, was a TV for the front room with like light gaming, and so that's all I needed because the gaming one that yeah. I have in the game room, that's that's the one that I actually am like great with, and I have a TCL, a four series. It's great. Pictures quality is perfect. I don't need anything else. So I was totally fine with the TV that you sent me, the link to the TV that you sent me, and the reviews that I did. So it's fine, you know. I'm just hoping that it doesn't come cracked or any bullshit like that. Cause I'm like, just don't. Oh yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> so. Well, it's, so it's we'll all see. across my fingers. We'll, we'll 
assure that your uh, TV gets delivered in one piece. Yeah. Hopefully. So, all right, Kev. So, uh, what did you? What did? What did? What did you take? What did you buy? Uh, well, I didn't buy a whole lot. Um, Smart man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't buy a whole lot. I, I didn't think I needed to spend, you know, to, to overspend. But I did get a few things. It'll sound like a lot, but in reality, at least to me, I don't think I, I didn't I didn't think I, I spent a whole lot. I got some some pretty good deals. Um, I got through the GameStop had a uh, had a promotional for three months game pass. I think it was right around the half price. I think it's normally like forty-five bucks or something like that. And I think they were selling it for twenty-six, twenty-six ninety-nine or something along those lines. So, oh, that was another thing. Real quick, um, game, if you're wanting to look for one, um, what is it? Uh, Microsoft, the actual website is selling an Ultimate GameSpot Game Pass Ultimate for uh, for a dollar for um, for three months. So that that was that's that's what I did. I ended up doing mm-hmm. that, so because I wasn't, I didn't, wasn't sure if I wanted to, you know. Take was that for out. new for new subscribers? Uh, it worked for me. <laughs> hmm. okay. Yeah. Well, so you had let you had let yours in though, right? Oh, I did. You're, you're right. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're I, a lap yeah. subscriber. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's probably why it was okay then, because I was like, oh shit, one dollar, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. I mine was mine was still active, but. Um, anyway, I, I I picked up two of those, so I've got six months of Game Pass. Uh, for for super cheap. Um, also, GameStop had had promotionals going on for the DualShock Four. They did not have the color that I really really wanted was which was the crystal red. So basically, I got uh, I got one DualShock. I picked that one up Friday morning, and then when we all went out uh, later on, I guess it was, that must have been what Saturday. Um, I picked up, I took, I brought in my, uh, blue one. I had a blue one that, and it, and the blue one worked perfectly fine. I think the circle button was kind of sort of getting stuck, you know, once in a blue moon, but you know what I said, you know what, let me just go ahead and, uh, try and, and just get another, just get another new one, you know, since this is a pretty good deal that they got going on. So I took that one in, I got $27 in trade credit. And put that towards my second DualShock 4, which was another crystal. Uh, if you know me, if you if you got something cool that is see-through, you know I'm I'm all about it. So <laughs> I got two. I now have two uh, crystal uh, see-through DualShock controllers. Um, also picked up, went to Best Buy on um, uh, that must have been thanks late Thanksgiving night, going into to black friday morning went to best best buy and picked up need for speed heat and concrete genie and thank goodness my games my uh uh game game what what was that best buy program what's it called uh gamers 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 club unlocked is still going on (laughs) i have no idea for how long but I was able to take advantage of that, so I got my 20% off the uh, uh, Black Friday pricing on those two items. Also picked up two movies while I was there. I picked up Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Dragon Ball Super, the Broly movie. Uh, 
had intended to see both of those when they were in the theater, never got around to them. Uh, as most most of the listeners know, I'm a I'm a Dragon Ball fanatic, so uh, the fact that I never saw the Broly movie is is kind of to my shame. <laughs> so I will I now have the ability to rectify that uh, at any time. Um, also, uh, GameStop had a deal going on with. Uh, Nintendo Online, um, they had, um, I didn't get the year, and I'm kind of sort of glad I didn't. I got the three month for $7, but it, it was, I think it was a little bit less. But here's the thing, Nintendo is, is, is kind of made me mad. Do you know they don't fold in tax or they charge you tax when you sign up? For their service, I entered the card. I entered the card code, which was seven dollars. I got three months for three months, and then they take me to this pay screen. I do. I'm doing this all through the switch, so I know it's legit. So they take me to this screen to enter my payment information for the tax. I had to enter my zip code. <laughs> they wanted to get more money from me. Uh, to cover the tax. And I said, I'm thinking to myself, this is bunk. I mean, PlayStation doesn't do that. Xbox doesn't do that. Um, I have no idea why. I'm assuming that they 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 have, I would assume that they have wrapped up tax requ- sales tax requirements uh, into the cards themselves under the pricing, under the pricing strategy that they have for their respective tiers. I don't know. But it just, yeah, I was just feeling some type of way when Nintendo was telling me I had to pay more money <laughs> to activate this card that I had already paid for. So I didn't activate it. I, I, I've still got it. Um, I'll when I get around to it, I'll get, I'll buy like, cause I don't have my credit card information on none of these on, on none of these systems. Um, I'm going to get a uh, Nintendo card code or something and just throw 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 the i think the 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 minimum you can get is 10 bucks i'll throw 10 bucks into my wallet and uh buy be able to cover the cost of the tax for my for my my three month nintendo online code but i also bought a 20 dollar um Nintendo Online code because I I picked up I also picked up and this is the last thing I I am I'm gonna I picked up for Black Friday even though it really wasn't on any kind of sale or a deal uh, I picked up fighting Fight and Rage um, and I'll talk a little bit about that when we get to our playlist but that I my mom uh, on the other hand she her TV went out she had a uh, 1080p 3d samsung i forget what the model number is it's a it's a 55 inch uh 1080p 3d tv uh that i helped her uh did some research and uh for what she wanted i thought that was at the time i thought that was the best uh tv to get uh considering that the the panasonic plasma that i had for really for whatever reason really wasn't i still have it uh really wasn't available uh so we got she got that but that tv went out and of course it's well out of manufacturer's warranty so 
we got online and I did we did some research and so so she went to she uh, got on Best Buy online and she picked up the uh, the H9F by uh, Hisense which has been getting some super crazy good reviews. It's like beating out Samsung's top flagship TVs on a technical standpoint for way, way, way less money. And um, Best Buy is the only retail outlet that I could find that had the high sense for at, in a 55 inch screen that that's also the TV that I'm I'm gonna wind up buying uh, fingers crossed by the time my birthday comes around uh, which is in January so <clears throat> so she ordered that it will be ready for her she'll be she'll be uh, taking uh, receiving that order uh, tomorrow so my <clears throat> youngest nephew has that day off so uh, he's going to go down and uh, she, she went ahead and gave him the TV because uh, the 1080p TV set that she had because there's, there's a problem I think that's in the power supply and for whatever reason Samsung in their infinite wisdom did not make the power cord modular. It is hardwired to the power supply in the back of the TV so you can't replace it. Well, I'm sure you can, but you got to open up the back of the TV set in order to do it. So, um, I just said, you know, when it when it conked out, and plus she had uh, she had some some uh, uh, pixel failures uh, in her in her panel, and there was some heavy banding going on. So it was kind. I'm thinking it was kind of on its way out before, <clears throat> and it finally gave up the ghost uh, a few days ago. So. But I think she's really going to be happy with the H9F, and you know, pretty much she's not a gamer, but she she watches a lot of movies and and whatnot. So uh, this might be a way to get her into some of the streaming services like Netflix and what Netflix and maybe Disney Plus. She's expressed some interest in checking some of those services out. So we might get her signed up for those um, and enjoying this. The smart TV. This will be the smart first smart TV she's ever owned. So I'm looking forward to sharing that experience with her and kind of showing her the ins and outs of that. So <clears throat> that is the that has been the crux the the general crux of my Black Friday get. So Trader Joe, why don't you share with the folks what you picked up? Oh, do we have time? We have to sit down. And- <laughs> You can curate that as as uh, be as in depth or as uh, abbreviated as you want to, sir. We are all right. Thank you. I think I mentioned last week I bought uh, Shenmue three for thirty five bucks and collection of Mana for twenty. I was really surprised about Shenmue three on that, so uh, enjoying that. Um, wound up buying an Xbox Elite two controller from Rakuten for a hundred and forty bucks after a coupon code and. God forbid I don't want to spend $180 on a controller. I only want to spend $140. God forbid. Hey, you know, so, any discount is a discount, buddy. Oh, for sure. Uh, the thing about Rakuten at the point in time before Black Friday hit is that they did have a MasterCard promo. So I was used the MasterCard and got 30 bucks back in Rakuten points and had to figure out what to use on that. So Luigi's Mansion with a coupon code. 
uh, Luigi's Mansion 3 specifically for the Switch was 40 bucks. I wound up getting a UK version, an imported version of Luigi's Mansion 3 to save a little cash. And then I used my Rakuten points to get that game for like about 12, 13 bucks after tax and everything. So, so feather in my cap for that. I was not intending on buying that game on launch. So it's like, um, unfortunately with Rakuten, I didn't have that, you know, as many deals to select from as is available at the retailers. So I kind of had to find the deal that, you know, best fit me. And, you know, Luigi's Mansion three is from all what I've heard is supposed to be a great game. So, so wound up grabbing that. Um, Best Buy, of course, uh, did trade in Spider-Man like about a week and a half ago. I picked up Spider-Man Game of the Year edition with all of the DLCs on that. Picked up uh, Concrete Genie as well. Got that picked up at GameStop and uh, got that taken care of. Uh, I gave in to my temptations and picked up Catherine Full Body Edition. Uh, that was something that... Uh, I wanted to check out. I had it rented from the library. I did not play my library copy, but since it has that wonderful steel case, it's not a steel book. It's a steel case. You know, a pink I was salty pink steel about book. that too. <laughs> super. No, salty. I'm just making the making the point that, that there there is a difference in between a steel case and a steel book on there. So the steel book is actually a a license like property and basically these. Gaming companies, these movie um, studios, go through Steelbook to get their official book. Which, you know, obviously, if you look at the Steelbook, it's uh, formatted in a certain way. But a metal case is still fine, especially if the designs on it are pretty good, and so on and so forth. So, but uh, got Catherine's that. Catherine's an excellent game. You'll you'll enjoy it. Yeah, got that for twenty five. Uh, broke down. I picked up Nino Kune, uh, Wrath of the White Witch remastered for PS four. Uh, that was on sale at Best Buy for 25 bucks. Um, also, you know, I'm the one that helped Desmond buy this, but uh, I saw that Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers was on sale for 20 bucks, and I've heard so many people rave about uh, the game and saying that's their game of the year for this year. And uh, even though there's a, you know, a barrier to entry, some people have stated that they played this game mostly single player. You know, they just went and played the story. Uh, for the most part, but there, obviously there's some grinding involved, so we'll have to talk about that on a future show if I ever get to it, which I want to. And then, last but not least, well, I did buy Kevin a game because I'm I'm a uh, kind and fruitful person. I wanted to buy him You're Anthem. You're an enabler, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but of course, Kevin, you wouldn't want Anthem for love or money, but you know it's. All well and good, but we uh, kind of agreed. He, he, you agreed, <laughs> Kevin, that if I bought you I'm a under copy contract, of, y'all, I'm under contract. Tom Clancy's The Division Two. It was on sale at GameStop for twelve bucks. Uh, me and Desmond were thinking about going back in and restarting, playing from scratch, and so we, Kevin, did agree to come. And if I bought him a copy, he would come and play along with us and play online. So. <laughs> Any of you listeners listening, well, we're going to trudge through and play the Division 2. It's not like it's a chore or anything, but <laughs> if you want to kind of join us, um, it's not on sale anymore, but uh, you can go pick it up at any local Redbox for nine ninety nine, and, you know, come and play with us. We'll check it out. But uh, 
Uh, only other game I picked up was um, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, and that game got discounted severely. It didn't launch too well. We'll have to see. I pretty much was explaining to Desmond that Amazon, their infinite wisdom, they call me Trader Joe, um, they <laughs> were buying back PC games, boxed PC games. And, of course, boxed PC games after you redeem the Steam code in it, the disc is basically worthless because you can't play the game anywhere, but they're buying them back. And, like, they were buying back, like, Doom for 6 bucks, other games for 7 bucks. So I'm sitting there... Like, okay, I already own these games on Steam. I already redeemed the code. But, hey, if Amazon wants to give me trade credit for it, hey, I'll trade it in. So I wound up taking that trade credit and buying Ghost Recon Breakpoint out of that money. So it's like I made something from nothing and went ahead and got bought a questionable game. So we'll see if I actually play it. So, <laughs> And that, ladies and gentlemen, was my Black Friday shenanigans. So... <laughs> Well, sounds good. It sounds like we all wound up getting uh, getting some things that we were seeking, uh, <clears throat> following up on some of that, that wonderful we're, we're research. Seeking. Yeah. <laughs> following know. up on that research. So it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. You could have had a company anthem too, but, you know, hey. Mm. Nah, nah. I'm good, bro. I'm good. Uh. <laughs> uh, friend of the show, Alfred picked it up, so you know yeah. he, he has a five dollar get. Uh, more power to y'all. That's all I can say. <laughs> more cheaper than the combo. Cheaper than the combo. <laughs> Won't bring you as much indigestion or anything. Uh, like it won't be as fun either. But. Uh, <laughs> but. Alrighty, folks, so that's what we picked up for Black Friday. So we're going to slide from that right into our playlist. So, Des, why don't you enlighten the folks with what you has, what has been in your rotation this past week, my friend? Well, all right. Um, what has been in my rotation? Mostly Jedi Fallen Order, actually. That's the game that's really kind of taking me by storm. Um, I have really enjoyed it. Um, I like the narrative. It's really kind of made me really want to um, kind of get back into uh, the Star Wars uh, stuff. You know, the Star Wars, you know, storyline and everything. It's made me kind of, you know, want to just kind of experience it. You know, I, it really, I, I, it was the game that I didn't ask for, but it's the, you know, the game that I kind of needed at this point. You know, it's it's just that, you know, it's just challenging enough to be frustrating, but not so challenging where I just want to say, okay, no more, bye-bye, you know. So so that's the game that I've really been sort of, that's sort of been kind of like, I've just been like, yes, this is the game that I want to play. I, I like this game. So uh, other games I've been playing has been Titan Quest. Uh, also started playing, uh, with, play that with Joe. That's kind of our go-to game. And it's kind of re-sparked this interest, or really kind of, actually kind of sparked this interest in, in these Diablo-like games, you know, these top-down, kind of running around, killing mobs type of games, because my really only experience has been uh, Diablo 3, and I was just kind of like, meh, you know, I played other ones, like, back in the back in the day, but I never really, like, this was before all, all of the gaming genres were so defined now, you know, this is this type of game, and this is this type of game, you know, so... So I've played them, but it's just now I'm really kind of like, okay, I really kind of like what's going on. So Titan Quest is a game that I've been playing a lot of. Just got a new game, that Shadows Awakening game, uh, which has been kind of interesting. Um, it's a different take on it. You know, it's 
you know, you play as a, you know, a demon, you know, and you have to save the world, but, you know, in order to tie you to the material plane, you have to devour souls, and when you do, in the real world, you're running around playing as that character, and then you have to switch back to the demon, which is a, which is a, a shadow realm, which allows you access to uh, different map, different points in the maps. It's really kind of cool, so you have to fill, you have to do puzzles between the shadow world and, and the, the, the human world and stuff, so it's, it's really, it's really a fun little game, and, it's not too overtaxing. You don't have a lot of moves, you know, and, it, and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, been really getting some more mileage out of my um, my Switch, which has been really interesting. I'm really happy about that. So I've been playing uh, that uh, Steam World game, uh, Hand of uh, Gilgamesh, which is kind of fun. It's a card based game. It's an RPG, but it's card based, and so you have to pick your your attacks via um, via a hand of cards, and there, there's a couple for for each player, so it's a lot of strategy based to it because you have three characters, and um, you, you get a hand of five cards or seven cards, I can't remember which ones, and then you have to pick the cards to do certain things. So not everyone will get to act in a turn if you don't have the right cards, and if you do certain combinations of cards, they do something special. So it's really it's really an interesting fun game and the story is really kind of fun you know it's all it's from the steam world kind of uh the steam world universe and so there's so it's like we're mechs and people kind of live together although these are mostly mech stories you know so it's it's a fun little game you know I, i've really enjoyed that and then i've also been playing pokemon uh shield uh finally picked my starter pokemon uh i picked um the the flame rabbit so i think it talked about it a little bit last um last um show but i'm waiting for my light to come in that way i can kind of transfer everything over and then play that with the light and then just kind of talk about transferring my saves over so that's going to be an interesting you know to transfer saves saves back and forth uh online so that'll be interesting but those have been pretty much the games that i've been playing uh joe what games have you been playing my friend uh not much uh it's been playing when i get a chance playing titan quest of course uh, it's been my go-to go-to uh when you were over oh, oh we quick, got a chance quick, to okay sorry i started playing steam world dig as well because again i'm part of that steam world universe so i wanted to check out the other games so that's the last thing so so yeah i was over you were do- we were doing what we're playing the takeover for a little bit on steam on there it's, it's a new brawler that came out on steam i took a lot of uh uh influences from the streets of rage series but uh, gave it like a, almost like a, a new like you know unreal engine 4 sheen to it on there and um you know even though i know the voice acting was pretty bad <laughs> uh did like the look very of the bad game. how'd you how'd you feel the game played i thought felt the game was pretty damn cool so um i, I was so expecting it see i'm used to brawlers being being pixel art so having it being all slick like that really made me really made it kind of weird for me because the girl, the woman in it. Oh yeah, she walking like with like a like a crab walk or yeah, something. Yeah, and, and her with her stance and everyone. I don't know. The game was the game was not bad. I actually really enjoyed it, but I was like, <laughs> Have you played it, Kev? I have not. I, I it, it, wait. Is this the one that kind of has like? photorealistic characters yeah. almost kind of like makes it look like a fancier pit fighter 
I'm not about a fancy. I guess you could say that. I guess. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I've seen that. I've seen. I, I know what you're talking about. It's it's a very interesting game. Um, Joe put it on, and I was like, okay, because we were basically looking at how how best we could. Um, because he was showing me, he he basically was showing me his his uh, Steam, because I was trying to see like you know you know what Steam games I can play with a console because I'm not very good at mouse and keyboard. So we were like, okay, you know, how can you, how can I do this? How can I do that? And so he was helping me do that. And so he was showing me all of his games on, on, um, on, on the, on the Steam. So that's how we got into it, you know. And we were playing that game, and I was just like, damn, Joe, okay, you know. <laughs> I was just like, I'm not it's, so it's, sure. I don't know how pixelated it is. It, it does use rendered sprites still. And they HDify this rendered sprites. So it's it looks it looks slick as hell. It, the only problem though is it's kind of slow. You know, there's something about it that makes the game a little bit slow. Did you did you did you feel that? A little bit, but it still felt uh, pretty responsive to me on there. So. I so I definitely I'm gonna be playing a little bit more. And maybe Kev, if you want to come over, you could check it out. Mm-hmm. on there um i also been playing everybody's golf a little bit i've gotten back to that game and it's kind of a relaxing game it's something i threw on last year it kind of did take my mind off things so it's something to where uh i've been playing some rounds of golf so and from that i mean pretty much i've still are i'm intending on getting into the big more tentpole games on there we'll be talking uh, as we go on next few weeks, you know, uh, I did fire up Destiny 2 for the first time in a long time on Steam just to check it out on Steam. And it looked pretty nice and uh, saw all my gear was 750 and I didn't oh, want yeah. to deal with all that business. Yeah. Yeah, so. you, we were looking at it at uh, on on um, on your computer. And I have to yeah. say, it wasn't it didn't look bad. I was like, damn. All right. And since you guys have both dropped Destiny. I know what our, our listener, Surgeon Fire, still wants to play. In fact, that we're supposed to have his wife Rachel on uh, to talk about the Shadow Keep. Once I do get to it, that way we get into the minutia. But they're already on the second season of Shadow Keep at the moment, coming out in the next couple of weeks. So we'll see when I do finally get get back to Destiny on there. See if it's good or something. I'm just you know should have left well enough alone on that. So. But uh, that's pretty much all I've been playing in the last week. What you been up to, Kev? Oh, I've been playing some smaller games this past week. Um, I had intended to get into, dive more into my backlog, you know, start getting back into Horizon Zero Dawn, jumping back into uh, Death Stranding. But I, and I had planned to do a lot of that over Thanksgiving break, but most of what I did after cooking was I just napped a lot. <laughs> so so my I really didn't do a, a whole lot of heavy, what I would call heavy-duty gaming. I just played a lot of uh, smaller titles, some that I had already played and finished, but others were new. Um, beginning with uh, River City Girls, uh, for whatever reason, I, oh, I remember what it was. I was waiting for um, Grid to... No, it wasn't Grid... No, it wasn't that. It was some other game. Uh, oh, I remember. I was uh, uploading or downloading, rather, uh, Need for Speed Heat uh, to my console. 
And uh, while waiting for that game to fully download, I said, you know what, let me jump back into River City Girls and mess around at the end with that. Jumped back into my game, my new game plus save and was just kind of running around wrecking shop, not really doing, not really having a goal in mind, but just using Cuneo, uh, uh, one of the unlockable characters that you get after you finish the game proper. And just kind of having fun building up, building out his, uh, uh, we'll go getting to the, to the gym, uh, getting all his available moves and, just kind of leveling him up and seeing how I can link his special moves together in different combinations was really fun. Uh, Cuneo in, in this game is kind of like, he's kind of like Shawn Michaels in a way, <laughs> which is kind of weird because uh, while he doesn't have, uh, at least so far, uh, he does not have wrestling moves exactly. He does have a super kick. And it looks just like Shawn Michaels. You know, he does that the little sidestep and just, uh, just pop some people, pop somebody or a group of people in the face, and they go they go sailing uh, great distances. So <laughs> I just I thought that was kind of dope. So again, you know, River City Girls is just one of those. It's just one of those uh, undercover gems. You know, again, probably a little overpriced for most folks, but you know, it's one hell of a game. Um, while we were all hanging out on Saturday, I got a chance to try out Indivisible, uh, which kind of takes its uh, gameplay cue from game from games like uh, Valkyrie Profile, which is probably still my favorite JRPG uh, ever series ever. I played the fir- I played one and two to to completion and thoroughly enjoyed them, even though both were a grind in their own respective ways Two in particular was oh that was a major grind but i i just love the combat systems in both of those so um i was kind of hoping to see that in indivisible the core mechanics are the same as they are in uh Val- in the valkyrie profile where your face buttons are mapped to members of your party and hitting them they do their basic attack um, there is, a, and I'm, I didn't get far enough to activate the group attacks, I don't think, but, um, I don't know. There was just something, and I know what it was, um, w- what makes Valkyrie profile so particularly unique is that like some, you get some people in your party that can only do aerial attacks and you have some people in your party that do a area effect ground pound that will send enemies skyward. And then you can, you just have to figure out how to keep the combo going to build up your, your party meter. And once that meter fills up, you are able to choose a character to activate their special. And what was really unique about Valkyrie profile, particularly in the second one, uh, the specials were linked to, enemy weaknesses so if you if you had an archer that had a certain element that uh your boss opponent or regular opponents were weak to you wanted to get we wanted to make sure you use that guy special so you had to like jungle kind of like basically kind of monitor how you're managing your opponents combo wise whether they're up in the air whether they got them down on the ground um how your party's individual special attacks 
how that's going to go and uh, whether it's going to be aerial or, or horizontal aerial or diagonally vertical aerial or, you know, however, all these different factors and you just kind of have to manage your combo spaces in between that. I didn't see that in Indivisible. Now, granted, I just, I mean, it was just played very, very early into the game. So maybe all that stuff comes later, but uh, I was kind of sort of hoping to see more of that uh, gameplay element uh, in Indivisible, but I didn't see it. So it's a very pretty game, um, very colorful uh, palette. I, I thought the palette and the art design was was pretty dope, but uh, the gameplay really didn't grab me like... Uh, like Valkyrie Profile did, like I was hoping would happen. So I don't know. It may be something I check out uh, if the price drops a little bit more. But <clears throat> still a cool game, so it's probably worth check, uh, folks to check out who have an interest in JRPGs in general because uh, it definitely takes some cues from that style of game. Um, the other games that I played was... Uh, I mentioned that I picked up Fight and Rage and... Uh, I download, I, I, when I got my, uh, Nintendo, uh, my Nintendo shop cards and whatnot, I said, you know what, let me, I, I, I was very, I've been curious for about fight and rage for a long time. And I wound up, I went on ahead, downloaded it to the switch. It's this game by, I think it's by Saba games. Um, I want to say it's a, it was like a two-person development team. Was one guy designed the game and another guy worked on the soundtrack. I want to say that's how it went down, but I might be wrong. But this game, <laughs> this game engrossed me almost as deeply as River City Girls did. Um, man, it, <laughs> it is the, what is super dope about it is that the visual aesthetic is totally 90s. It, 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 it is, I mean, totally 90s. They, they replay uh, uh, a, a tube screen, like an old school tube arcade screen where the, the top of the, the, the images at the top of the bottom kind of kind of round out like you're looking at a, at a tube, you know, a standard tube television set it's got the scan lines it's got even kind of like certain parts of the color color palette kind of look like kind of faded like you're playing it on an older <laughs> an older uh screen it, it they've got that 90s feel arcade thing down to a freaking pat i mean it, I, I i was tripping out on that and the gameplay is really deep um, so basically the, the core of it, the, the story is kind of throwaway, just like the stories were on most of the beat-em-ups from the nineties. Uh, you are, you play the role of either two humans and a mutant and the world has been taken over by these anthropomorphic animals that have enslaved humanity and you're fighting to, to free the people. <laughs> Not the Ninja Turtles. Up, no. Although, well... Um, you do fight some enemies that are basically the Ninja Turtles. I mean, this thing, this game takes, uh, pulls satire from so many 90s tropes 
that it that that and the, and they, it does it in a in a really funny and neat way. Uh, you fight characters that are based off of Street Fighter characters. Like there is a dude that you fight that is a straight up uh, uh, homage to Adon. <laughs> I mean, he's got his his Muay Thai stance and and his uh, feather band armbands and his funky uh, like high top high top banded fade. I mean, I mean, it, it is he's a rooster. And <laughs> Mm. It, it is just it is just super dope, man. It, and uh, what's neat about it mechanically is that you know how every the, all the fighting games from from that period have a special move that you use to you know get yourself out of a jam if you're getting knocked around or you know clear multiple enemies from around you. And it usually costs you a little bit of health if you used it. Well, in Fight and Rage, you, each character has a circular meter that feel is not based on how much damage you you do. It's based solely on time. So, in a few seconds, once you execute your special move, and you basically each character basically has two special moves, what you can do, you can use those special moves without penalty. Now, you can use them any time, but if you use them when your meter is not fully uh, fully filled out, it will cost you it'll cost you a little bit of health. Where the skill element comes into is trying to chain your combos in such a way that every time you use your special move, you're only using it when your special meter is active, and that's how you get your crazy uh, your crazy combo. Um, combo counts like um i am basically when i played this game i think i started playing it like around eight o'clock eight o'clock um saturday or, or what was it what time was it um i want to say i started playing that game around like maybe 10 30 11 whenever i whenever i got back from um from hanging out with you guys, which must have been like maybe 10, 30, 11 o'clock that night. And I play, I was playing, playing fight and rage till about seven o'clock the next morning. That game just, it, the mechanics just totally engrossed me, uh, in a way that I hadn't experienced since, you know, river city girls. And (laughs) dude, I, I mean, and it was just, each character has a unique style. Uh, the girl who, the girl name they, whose name is uh, uh, her name is Gal, who is kind of like uh, uh, an homage to uh, uh, Mai Shu and Nui from SNK. Uh, she has certain assets that are <laughs> pretty much front and center. If you know who Mai is, you know what I'm talking about. Um, she's like the uh, she's like a kung fu uh, user. So she's chaining a lot of light attacks into like one heavy attack and kind of using her special to continue the combo and either horizontally or vertically. And uh, she was the first character I used. Then I used the uh, the ninja, I, I forget his name, uh, who was basically kind of an homage to Guy from uh, Final Fight. Uh, kind of walks like Guy uh attacks like guy and and he's super dope as well and his 
his thing is trying to get you either his special is like this rapid fist attack that can group that gets groups of enemies together and he's also got like a, a Tetsukyaku move, kind of like what Ken and Ryu have, where he's spinning around, you're doing this spin kick, and that spin kick can either go, uh, kind of go, can go horizontally a little bit and takes the enemies up into the air, and he can follow that up with uh, like another kick to send them back down to the ground. I mean, it is super dope. And then the mutant that you can use, you have like this mutant uh, social justice activist. <laughs> wow. Who is like this minotaur who is fighting so, to free the humans. And he's a woke he's minotaur, huh? Huh? He's a woke minotaur? He's a woke minotaur. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And his, his moveset is grappling. So uh, he's got like a Batista bomb that he can do that has an aerial, that has an aerial effect um he's got he's actually got a shoyuken which is kind of funny to put that uh give that move to a character that slow and big but you hit somebody with it they just they just kind of explode which is which is hilarious when he does it and you land that that move uh man that game is so good it is so good i i if i had to compare it to river city girls i i'm it's not i don't think it's better but it's different, and it's different in a way that uh, it makes me want to play. And it also, also, what is also neat about Fighting Rage is that there are multiple paths to the end. Because when I played, I played it on the the hardest setting, and I actually got to the end guy. But what I was doing is I was going back and seeing there are places, uh, rooms that you can go into, and if you go into certain rooms, there are certain you get it to experience certain levels that you otherwise wouldn't if you didn't come across the you know those paths earlier on in the game so it's got a lot of replay value uh i don't know if it is i don't think it's online on the switch the game is also available on steam uh and supposed to be coming to ps4 at some time uh, when it comes to ps4 i will probably buy it again because uh, the DualShock is the best controller for 2D games. I was using it on my, uh, I was playing it on the Switch using my, my Pro Controller, which was okay. But uh, man, that digital pad, mm, it, it's better than the, than the Xbox One, but it's still not as good as the DualShock. So I would, I'm going to double dip on that game when it finally comes to the PlayStation. And it, I mean, that game is just freaking amazing. Uh, <laughs> My apologies for gushing over it for so long, but no, the okay. final game, <laughs> the final game that I played, uh, and I played earlier this evening was Grid, and I've had Grid since it came out, and I hadn't gotten around to playing it, but I said, you know what, I kind of feel like like playing a racing game right now. Let me instead of going to Wreckfest, let me let me boot up Grid real quick. And man, is that game good. Um, it's gotten some poor reviews uh, for whatever reason. And in comparison to what to Grid 2, I can kind of sort of see why. But mechanically, it's, 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 it's freaking amazing. Uh, Codemasters, again, they are the best in hitting that niche that is it's arcade but a little bit sim. I mean, they do it better than anybody. I mean, a lot of people think that, you know, will say that it's Forza Horizon series that 
are the masters of that genre. No, no, no. In my opinion, it's it's grid all the way because uh, the cars actually, to me anyway, when they're on different surfaces, they still control arcadey, but the cars control differently and, and they also control differently depending on what surface you're racing on. Um, they don't feel uh, like you're racing on ice which has always been my problem with, with Forza Horizon in, in varying degrees. I think the fourth one, they address that problem the most. But with Grid, you always feel in total control of your car. Um, you're taking turns you know, faster and drifting around turns uh, faster than you could do in real life, obviously. But And it's got a rewind feature. Uh, the only thing that I think I like about the second game more so than than this game, because this grid is kind of sort of a reboot to the series. It's, I don't think it's technically the third game. I think it's a, a total reboot. Um, there is not so much of an emphasis on your individual character. I mean, you can give yourself a name, but you don't you don't you know choose your driver, or create a create an avatar or anything. You just give your person a name you don't even assign a gender to them you just give them a name and uh, that's it <laughs> and then you're in the world of uh, wsr uh, world what is it world street racing which is the same organization that's been in all in the prior two grid games but there's more of an if it's just all about the events and it's not about your struggle to get into, you know, the tournaments as it was in the first two games. It's not about that. You're just you're just a person racing in this. Uh, so I can kind of sort of see if that's been the problem of why people didn't enjoy it. Um, I know a lot of people kind of said it's boring from the career standpoint. And I guess if you're looking at it, comparing it to the prior two, I get it. But, man, uh, it it controls fantastically fantastically man it, it is um uh, i think you know if you're if we're pulling the pure arcade racers like like ridge and burnout out of the equation uh grid is still the king of um and, and pulling out like pure sim games out of the equation too uh like forza and um um uh, uh, Gran Turismo. I mean, Grid is is the best freaking racing series out there, by far, in my opinion. I've played I played just about all of them, uh, with the exception. The only I think the only ones I haven't played I haven't played uh, Corsa. Well, again, I don't play Sim, so I didn't play Corsa, and I didn't play uh, uh, need that need that that Need for Speed one that was Sim sim like i can't remember what it was called now but grid is grid is is my favorite like racing game series and this one is just as good mechanically if not better than the other two graphically it's impressive um it's just been really fun so i think i'm going to take a break i might be taking a break from wreckfest <laughs> uh spending some more time in grid when i feel like a racing game so again uh i apologize for my extended uh uh drooling over uh, talking about these games but uh <laughs> this is su no, such good. as it is 
Talk away, man. But um, with all that said, with my dribbling out of the way, um, we posed a question on last week's show uh, in which we asked our listeners if uh, they've ever imported any games and why. And we're going to get into that discussion amongst ourselves right now. So I will toss this one out to you, Joe. Um, I, we all kind of already know the answer, but what has been what what games, if any, have you imported for and for what systems? And how did you get into or become aware and get into the idea of, of importing games? Uh, if you can give that uh, give oh, that background about yourself. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> God. It's just been a year and a day. I I know Desmond, you wanted to bring this question about because you're recently importing games uh, from like uh, European companies and so on and so forth, right? That is correct. I had been I had uh, getting ready to. Well, weren't we getting we're getting ready to do one right now, right? No, it's fact that the order is going to be here on Tuesday. In fact, I met, forgot to mention my Black Friday shenanigans that uh, put a big old ordering from amazon japan which is another thing but uh, just to start out the discussion importing games i've been playing games since like 1981 uh, 1980 with space invaders and so um you know all throughout the 80s i <laughs> obviously at that point i'm in high school i'm in grammar school i'm not importing but <laughs> so as soon as i i got to be an adult and started working for a living a little bit. One of the first things I did back in like 1989, 1988 is that um, I bought a Commodore Amiga on there. So, and I took my, all my hard earned cash and bought a Commodore Amiga uh, 500 on there. And the thing about the Commodore Amiga and what it got me into is that uh, there um, was popular in the U S but um in UK and in Europe, UK especially, uh, there was this whole bigger scene for the Amiga than what was available in the US. So there's like magazines dedicated to the Commodore Amiga with a floppy disk on the front cover. I used to go pick that up from Tower Records and it got me into looking to see what games were available. So I started actually importing not for uh, console games, but actually for my Commodore Amiga at one point. So. So I was ordering games. I was trying to go to a local mom and pop place here in town. They would get uh, some of the Atari STs games imported from the UK, uh, get some of the Commodore Amiga stuff imported from the UK. So I would be buying games there, checking out games from that. So, so that's my first memory of uh, having to deal with a foreign country and whatnot. And it got so good that I, used, I got a subscription to um, – Amiga Power, I believe, and then um, I, I always used to go to Tower Records back in the 90s to go check out a lot of the import magazines, and even though we had EGM and, you know, diehard game fan here in the U.S., that there there was quite a few cool game, uh, game magazines uh, from the U.K. that I got into. In fact, there's this one called Superplay once uh, the Super Nintendo came out that I was subscribing to as well on there. As far as... Uh, console importing i started because of the ads in the back of egm the ads of uh 
you know, from Die Hard Gamers Club on there. This is pre-GameFan, uh, but this is the same, you know, Dave Halverson and his lackeys in Southern California, like uh, putting the best imported wares uh, out for a purchase. And so I always was tempted to, and I finally decided. And this is back when the yen to dollar ratio was all whacked out. <laughs> so... And they were promising to uh, throw me, like, uh, imported, uh, like, guides to be able to play these games in Japanese. And I wound up importing the original Breath of Fire. It was my first uh, cartridge import on there. But I wound up paying, like, because of the dollar was so undervalued to the yen. I paid, like, 140 bucks for the damn thing. Yikes. Yeah, and little, I was proud to own it. I was super glad to own it, but the guide that they sent me was just how to read the menu, <laughs> you know, to be able to, like, attack and that kind of thing. It wasn't a full translation of all the text in the game, so I wound up not playing Breath of Fire until after it got released in the U.S. by Square Enix, like uh, like a year, year and a half later on that. But that was so, so, so cool that I pick that up i wound up picking up a couple more um super famicom games um later towards the end of the super nintendo era we uh, that's when i wound up picking up a um, game doctor which was advertised in the back of a game yeah. pro <laughs> and um i me and my friend at the time john jacob still my friend uh we went down to la and when we went down to la he was looking at magic cards and um i found places that had um rented super famicom games so i was like a fiend like in the hotel room sitting there trying to copy all these games and <laughs> rented out a bunch of them at once and uh i guess i should have just did other things but <laughs> at that point yeah i was full um high on importing and then once the next generation consoles came out um playstation and saturn uh saturn us was just a bunch of booty booty bull puck basically so it's like the sega of america wasn't really bringing out any games for it necessarily on there so um i got hooked up uh, at the time you know the back of the magazines of course the egm and poor guy diehard game fan we wound up um i found out through the power of the internet found out about uh, this company called national console support out of new york on there and so I wound up uh, basically calling my orders in. <laughs> this is back in the day. I would call and I would talk to the operator. I knew her by name, Susan. We would sit there and Jeez. I just put a put an order in. And I was ordering numerous games. Of course, I was working. I was in my 20s and obviously disposable income, y'all. And uh, was... <laughs> importing quite a bit on there. I think I helped influence you a little bit, Kev, right? To be able to pick up some Saturn stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I used I used uh, National Console support as well. Yeah. Uh, another company that was kind of in North Carolina area was called Byright. God, I forgot about them, but, uh, man, they were pretty bad, <laughs> too. You know, I used them a couple times. Uh, sometimes they would get the um, games for a little bit cheaper than NCS. So, and so sometimes I would deal with buy right. I don't know if you ever dealt with buy right or not, Kev. But no, I didn't. Yeah, but you know, we would make runs down to the so the SoCal area, and like uh, there's this one spot called Japan Video Games, I think, in uh, 
trying to remember the city name, but it's in the SoCal area on there. And there's, there was a, quite a few mom and pop places down there too, that, you know, if I would make road trips on there, it'd be kind of cool to go pick up, you know, odds and ends on that. But yeah, you know, that's at that point I was getting into importing, like I imported uh, even games for PlayStation uh, for PlayStation. You know, the whole thing back then is that you had to, uh, get your system modded to be able to go in and play these games. So I wound up finding a person locally that was able to mod my Saturn so I could play these games without doing any sort of like power replay uh, pro or anything like that to get a converter cartridge. I know specifically, I think King of Fighters 95 came out with what's called a RAM cart versus a, a ROM cart. Because the ROM cart would be used to save your games. And so we wound up... Uh, because this King of Fighters used a RAM cart, it required you to use the RAM cart in conjunction with the CD to be able to play the game on the system. So I had to get this thing modded at that point on there. So I think me and a few other friends, I'm not sure if you were in the mix or not to get the systems modded, Kev, or not. But uh, I wound up uh, getting my system with a, like a Switch so I could play Japanese and U.S. games on that and playstation was a whole other thing there's like the spring trick trick that you used to have to do <laughs> mm-hmm. to be able to put like a uh u.s game in there and then from there use the spring trick to be able to slap another cd in there for it to work so there are yeah. special springs that you could buy yeah <laughs> specifically for that as i had one <laughs> i remember doing that i never i forgot if i got a chip of mine i don't think i got a chip of mine but you know God bless Sony's heart, you know, it's like at the point, you know, I think third, fourth year of the PlayStation, you know, we're having to put the PlayStation 1 on its side, flip it up on its back to try to get these damn disc readers to work. Back it up, flip it, rub it down. Gotta get it to work. (laughs) I used to have this friend, Mark, Mark Freeland, uh, the Christ and Warrior, (laughs) but uh, we wound up through him, wound up getting some guy, this guy named George that were, was uh, ordering what's called HKs for us. So there is these, this connection where uh, we were able to get a bunch of Japanese games and granted, I'm not going to go on NCSX and order like a bunch of Japanese games for 70, 80 bucks, unless I felt so inclined. So sometimes if there was a game I wanted to try out, you know, demos weren't uh, as frequent back then, you know, I would just, have Mark order some HKs through George. And of course these games would play with the spring trick. So we'd be able to go in and do that. And at that point I had a friend, a roommate uh, that was copying games too. And he listens to the show. So <laughs> how much he wants to get into this topic, but uh, you know, this is, it was a different time back then. You know, I, I want to play as much as I can. Obviously I had enough money to buy, lots of different games but at the same time i just wanted to be able to you know check out you know different things i still have my hks uh, that you know these this they would come with a, a cover sleeve like a cd case for them and so pretty nice but uh, at that point what importing ps2 era and um as far as for xbox and gamecube i wasn't importing as much um, I did go ahead and, and get a, a modification for PlayStation 2 and was importing some Japanese games for PlayStation 2 uh, mainly. Uh, the Dreamcast era, of course, was pretty cool. I was importing quite a bit for that as well, and that was pretty easy to play uh, Japanese games on Dreamcast. So, But that was the first time I 
bought a Japanese console at launch. I had the Dreamcast prior to the U.S. launch. I was so excited because I was a Sega fanboy. I was very anti-PlayStation at the time for how the whole Dreamcast launch went and you know, the power that Sony had with that little stupid rubber decky demo and everything with the PlayStation 2, if you guys remember that on that. But, uh, you know, importing has been not as frequent as late you know i think it's cool that the playstation 3 is uh, you know obviously no region lock was on the playstation 3 on there so i did import quite a bit on the playstation 3 still not as much as i did back in the saturn days but uh i was getting some games physical games that were pressed only in europe you know things like you know fist of the north star 2 the tecmo koe game and a few games uh, i know with a certain point in time that we had like certain games that Nintendo weren't publishing in the U S that I was grabbing from Europe, including like Xenoblade Chronicles and the last story and whatnot. But I still consider importing as being kind of just a kind of a thing to where, you know, sometimes games don't get released in the U S you know, I think nowadays it's kind of rare to see games released uh, for other territories and not in the U.S. proper. I mean, the uh, only thing is, is just grabbing a physical copy. Sometimes you have to go and get a like a Asian copy of certain games if they're not going to make a physical version of that. And you know, it just depends nowadays. And and this is the last few years too. There's a kind of a uh, limited run and a few different companies that are pressing different. Uh, uh, particular titles and sometimes they don't get us release titles as far as for physical pr- presses of these specific games so especially if i want to import a game that's what our whole thing about our um, amazon japan order was recently is that uh, i want to get a physical copy of uh, anaki which is the uh, square enix game from tokyo rpg factory it's the fourth third game in their development they did um uh, I am Setsuna and uh, Lost Sphere, and so uh, Aniki, unfortunately, was not released in the U.S. at all, and so it's something I wanted to grab, and, you know, it's something to where I'm checking Amazon Japan and checking out the used listings and looking at these games going for, like, you know, 15, 20 bucks, and you look at the PSN, and that's, like, going for 50 bucks still on both the Switch eShop and PSN, and it's, like, that's why I made the order, and so um desmond i you know these are going to be christmas presents for you but uh, we picked up what uh like uh, ace attorney trilogy uh, just came out mm-hmm. only came out physical for japan and for asia on there it's not being released physically in the west at all and so you know I, even though i know you love grabbing the stuff off the eShop, is there something that kind of speaks to you as far as grabbing these games physically just to have a physical copy of them um i think i just like having it you know, it's a it's a thing where I just like having them in my collection um, because I'm not so against the eShop um, because I think sometimes it's really kind of cool to have it. But um, another time I'm just kind of like, hey, you know, I just want to have it, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, same thing to me. It just feels, especially with having the physical desk especially getting something from Japan, you know, it's like I've been picking up and you I always would say for anyone out there, if you're questioning whether a game has English, uh, you know, enabled in the menu, just do a little internet sleuthing if need be. 
PlayAsia is a pretty good um, guidance because obviously they're trying to sell games. And so if it's available in a bilingual situation, uh, be able to go ahead and take a look at that. I know Square Enix has been pretty good about pressing a lot of their titles in multiple languages because they're releasing them on the eShops um, at the same time in multiple languages as well. That's kind of a, a good way to tell as far as if it's going to be on available on the disc itself on that. Like I know what Square Enix is releasing a HD remaster of uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles and I'm <laughs> either going to buy it on launch or I'm going to wait a little bit to see if there's English on. I'm pretty sure that it's going to be English on it and see if maybe I could pick it up used for even cheaper on Amazon Japan. So shipping is not too bad on Amazon Japan either. It's around I think we ordered four games and it was like uh, 18 bucks. And literally I think we ordered it what on Thanksgiving Day I think. Uh yeah no a couple days before. Remember okay. I had I wasn't in town yet. Okay, but yeah, those games are gonna basically being shipped from Japan. They're gonna be here on Tuesday, so I mean. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But you, Kev, what's what's your history with importing? Uh, well, my history was um, was pretty much influenced by you, just kind of hanging out. Yeah, uh, playing alert. games at your house. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> Joe the Enabler sounds like a sounds like a Batman villain. <laughs> yeah, the Enabler. <laughs> but uh, I think the what got me into it, um, or what what sparked the interest was this is way back in the day. I think Joe, we did a uh, uh, a console swap. I loaned you my ColecoVision. And uh, you let me borrow your Saturn. Uh, it wasn't too long for uh, a go uh, too long post launch of that system's launch in America. And uh, I played uh, Clockwork Night, and I think I had another game that you had. I can't remember what can't remember what it was, but um, I was Maybe just a- like Astel. It might have been Astel. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was probably Astel, and. Because I was kind of interested in the Saturn, but I was like, eh. <laughs> uh, so I was like, cause the price was was kind of prohibitive, uh, and I was working at the time, but I wasn't making a whole whole lot of money. So I, I we did a console trade, and um, I let you borrow my ColecoVision, which I'm super proud of that because it's still in box. It it it's it looks as new as the day it was manufactured. I'm I'm just really proud of that. Um, and uh, I tried out the Saturn, and I kind of low key fell in love with that system during my time with it. I kind of had to put it on the back burner because I did not have the funds to get it at that time. But uh, fast forward, maybe I don't know a year or two. We had a local store here in Fresno uh, called BRE Software, and every summer they would do a a uh, inventory liquidation. Mm. And one day it was me, you, and uh, our friend Fred went to BRE, and they had used U.S. Saturns for like dirt cheap. I mean, I mean, I think the Dreamcast had already been out for a while. And the cost of the, the the used price on Saturns, even even here in America, was just like next to nothing. I can't remember what I paid for it, but I paid next to nothing for it. 
So I picked up I picked up a U.S. Saturn, picked up a copy of Children of the Atom, and um, Darkstalkers. I can't. I think it was the the U.S. version of Darkstalkers, and. I was like, okay, I got this console. I'm gonna, and, and I already knew that all the cool games were in were in Japan. So that's when I started hitting up uh, uh, NCS and went became went on a first name became uh, went on first name basis with Susan. And I started by that time I was working for a car rental place. And was making money on spiffs and overtime. And so I had more disposable income to work with. And I started making, I started placing orders, bro. Uh, <laughs> uh, what I decided to do was um, there were some games that I wanted to play. I mean, it was King of Fighters 95. Uh, this was before, because I think. Uh, for a, a little while after the fact, there there came they came out with a cart that would basically extend your 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 memory, the system memory, to allow you to play those games. But it also uh, was compatible with all the other games at the time that had released that used a ROM uh, a RAM cart of of some sort. The, but this was before then. So what I wound up doing is I boxed up my Saturn. And I sent it to NCS to get uh, the switch installed. And best investment I ever made on an electronic device. Um, unfortunately, my Saturn uh, conked out. I don't think it had anything to do with the with the mod job. Um, it was a used system, so you know it is what it is. So I had I had to wind up getting another uh, another uh, console. But again, they were dirt cheap. You know, I went back to BRE Software, got another one, and by that time they had uh, released that universal cart uh, that basically let you play all those games uh, uh, universally. Pro yeah, pro action replay. Yeah, that's what that, that's what it is. Yeah. So again, I started making those orders, man. King of Fighters '95, all the. And the, the beautiful thing about the Saturn in Japan was, you know, the the Neo Geo was always kind of like uh, the the equivalent of the of the gal that got away. Uh, because I always I desperately wanted one, but it was that console was never in my in my price range, uh, with the exception of one time when my mom offered to offered to buy me one <laughs> for Christmas, but. There was we had to order it from Guam from uh, the the naval base in Guam, and when we went to NAS Lemoore to place the order, we talked to the guy over the phone. Uh, they had ju literally just sold the last one they had in stock, and they were not going to be getting any more. It was for the the Neo Geo CDZ, and uh, I always felt that the Neo Geo was the one that got away, but the Saturn fixed all that because all those games. Uh, with the possible exception of Samurai Showdown Two, uh, and maybe the first one, I can't remember. But yeah, no, they were never on the Neo Geo. I mean, yeah, on the Saturn. On the Saturn, but the yeah. ones, the ones, uh, the the ones after two, just about all of them were on the Saturn. Yeah, three and four. Three and four, three three onward, and man, it it was, it was almost like having a Neo Geo. <laughs> 
almost like having a Neo Geo. It was, uh, I, I, and again, I started ordering all these games. I got King of Fighters 95, and, and even though I had the Universal RAM cart, I still ordered, I did, I did, I didn't know if those games were released sans the RAM cart, but all the ones that I ordered, all the ones that I ordered, I had the RAM cart. Um, Marvel superheroes with the RAM cart, uh, Fatal Fury, uh, um, uh, the Fatal Fury games, uh, uh, real bout with the RAM cart, uh, freaking, uh, Marvel. I even ordered the, um, what was the other one? I, I had Waku Waku 7, all the fighting games, man. Uh, uh, Street Fighter Alpha 2, uh, Mar- uh, uh, Capcom versus Cap- uh, uh, Street Fighter versus X-Men, or X-Men versus Street Fighter with the RAM cart. All Basically, all these fighting games that you have to pay hundreds of dollars on eBay now, I had them <laughs> on the Saturn. Uh, a lot of them. Uh, I mean, uh, Gal- uh, Galaxy, uh, not Galaxy. I had, did I have, I think I had Galaxy Heroes 2. Galaxy uh, Fight? Me, Galaxy Fight. Um, and why I think Waku Waku 7 was a sequel to Galaxy Heroes, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, I also had, uh, what was some of, some of the others, um, Burning Rangers. I, I had the domestic and I even imported that one. Um, so I had two copies. I had the U.S. copy, uh, and I had a Japan. I had a Japanese copy of that game too. I mean, it, it the Saturn was just so freaking. It was a 2D powerhouse. I, it didn't do 3D all that well, but man, for a fi- for a fighting game fanatic like I was back in the day, the Saturn was was where it was at, man. And I had all those games and uh, national console support. Uh, we was we was we was like this. We was thick as thieves, man. I think I was calling them. I was calling them and putting it in order just about every payday. Just about every payday, I was make I was uh, making orders, and I had built up a pretty impressive Saturn collection. Um, unfortunately, uh, I don't have that anymore because. Uh, uh, for reasons I won't get into, I was trying to help a friend out, and I gave him my Saturn along with my games because I thought he was going through a rough time, and turns out he wasn't, and I have no idea what happened to those games that I, that system and the games that I gave him, but all that stuff uh, I had in my collection I no longer have, so I'm kind of pissed off still about that, but... Um, the um, the Saturn was is what really inter- really got me going uh, with with importing games. Now moving on from the Saturn generation to I I didn't I want to say I imported a couple of games on the original PlayStation because I did have a, a spring because there was a particular type of spring that you could order. I think I also picked that spring up from NCS <laughs> uh, that you could put in your PlayStation that was specifically designed, quote unquote, to let you do that uh, region swap for your games. So I did that. Um, I've got and I and I the reason I did that for the original PlayStation was there were a couple of games I have um, Speed Racer. Uh, where it's actual, you play it, and I don't know if it was an arcade game or if it was a 
uh, a game designed uh, specifically for the PlayStation, but you play as Speed, and uh, you know in in the mock in, in the Mach Five, and you're driving around doing these jump, jumping over fools, and jumping doing these jumps across these caverns and whatnot. It was actually pretty dope. Um, uh, and I still have that game. It's in it's it's in my uh, in my old room at my mom's house somewhere. Uh, and I also imported um, uh, there was another one. It was kind of like a Ridge Racer clone, but and I can't man. I and the name of it escapes me right now. But it was also kind of dope, and it never came out here. But my next foray into importing was not until was was the PlayStation Two. And I didn't get into importing for that until well, well, well after uh, the PI. I'm sure the PlayStation 3 was out on the market, had been out on the market for a while by the time I started importing PlayStation 2 games. And the reason I, how I got into that was my uh, domestic PS2 died. And instead of... I think I wound up getting another uh, U.S. PlayStation 2, but I was on NCS <laughs> again, and uh, they had a really good deal on PlayStation on play, the PS2 Slim, the white one uh, for uh, Japan, a Japan region PS2, and I was like. You know, instead of trying to go and doing this mod thing with my PS2, I'll just I'll just import the console. So I bought the console, and I started importing uh, importing for that. Now the game I didn't buy any of the RPGs or or anything like that because I I don't know how to read Japanese. So again, what I was getting were action games, beat 'em ups, and and some fighting games. Uh, the PlayStation Sega had a series of games out, uh, Sega, the Sega Ages collection. So I had Dynamite. I, I still have these games. I have Dynamite Decca. Um, I imported uh, Vampire Knight, which was a Sega uh, gun arcade game. Uh, I've got the import version of that um, with the light gun, the whole kit and caboodle. I've got um, also some SNK fighting games collections for uh, PlayStation 2 as well that I imported. A um, whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I even got that... Um, <laughs> oh, gosh, what was that fighting game where you could play as that old woman? Uh, um, power uh, Instinct. Power, power yeah. Instinct, yeah. I have great uh, game. And, and, and great game, but politically incorrect as oh, all yeah. get out, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they had they had a version where you. I think the final boss was this girl who little girl who was the pope, and when you beat her, you unlock this uh, this black dude who was like this. It's like I mean, he makes Mr. Popo look like you know uh, a NAACP Image Award winner. I mean, it is it, just it it is really bad, but. The, the game was fun. I mean, I mean, it, it didn't just it, it poked fun at everybody. Just, I think I don't think there was an ethnicity that Power Instinct uh, <laughs> didn't put didn't ridicule in some form or fashion. And it's also it was also a very good uh, fighting game on top of that. But I have the uh, the PlayStation Two version of 
the power instinct the, or i think the sequel the final the, at least the most recent sequel i have to that series i had Im- imported for for playstation 2 and it, it was just um my interest in it was that i began to see a big part of it just knowing joe for as long for as long as i have and hanging out with him but also just exploring games on my own that there was more to video games than just what's available here. I mean, I think we all know that Nintendo was a Japanese company and Mario is a Japanese-made game, but um, I think, uh, at least at that time, gamers were kind of isolated or, with you know, isolated in our own regions. There's the U.S. gamers, the European gamers, the, uh, the Japanese, and, of course, the Japanese gamers, and as gaming grew and I started reading about and seeing on the internet all these different gaming experiences that I didn't immediately have access to, meaning that I couldn't go to, you know, uh, uh, BRE software or uh, what I, that, that chain that used to, that was uh, what was that? Software, etc. I just couldn't roll into software, etc., and pick these games out. But there were these unique experiences that could only be had if I had uh, access to playing, uh, uh, have a console that allowed me to play outside of my uh, primary region. And it just opened up a whole new world, you know, um, that of gaming experiences and experiencing games through another culture where some things that would be considered taboo or not taboo uh, <laughs> over there, uh, you know, Power Instinct being one, you know, a, a really good case study. Uh, and I just felt that, that my palette of a gaming interest grew from from that exposure and it was very i think it's an experience that i i still treasure to this day um and the content that i was able to experience and and one of the things also that was super dope about importing on the saturn was that what was really cool is like for like for the the king of fighters 95 in particular had an arranged soundtrack they had like I, they had like a jazz band playing the the music for all the fighting level fighting game levels and it was super dope i put that in my cd player and i re, and i was in your and you were able to record the those songs to a cassette no you know this was all before, you know, di- digital rights management and all that, all that, all that other crap. And I've got, I've got the soundtrack somewhere in my room. There's a cassette with Waku Waku Seven, with King of Fighters '95. Um, I want to say I got a, a, a couple of uh, Street Fighter uh, soundtracks on there, and um, a Mega Man. I think I've got a Mega Man in there, a song from one of the Mega. Uh, I know it might. No, I don't think it was Mega Man, but it, it it's a song that sounds like it should be in a Mega Man. I want to say I got that off of Waku Waku Seven as well. But it was just one of the neat things that I was able to do, uh, playing these games and just kind of experiencing uh, 
everything that they offered that was not readily available uh, just going to software, et cetera, or, or, you know, what eventually became GameStop at the time. So uh, nowadays, I don't think it's as necessary to do uh, because a lot of the games that I'm interested in that had that have or have had or have been announced uh, in Japan are coming stateside sooner or later. So for me, there's not that uh, urgency necessarily because there are, we we live in an, in an age of global launches, digital, you know, digital storefronts, so all that stuff is far more readily available. But back then, it was it, it was really unique. It was really neat, you know, being able to bring a friend or have a friend come over and show them like all these games, <laughs> you know, that that they hadn't heard of, and being able to share that with them. So, I think your last yeah. import was Uppers, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that yeah, I think it was, which was for the PlayStation Vita, which I which I still have. Um, I think Uppers came out digitally on. Um, not yet. I've been waiting. Oh, is it still pending? Um, it's still pending. Oh. <laughs> it's in, in, in limbo. It's in limbo now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, very, very politically incorrect game. <laughs> but fun as hell. It's a beat 'em up, which is kind of my thing. So, but yeah, that's been my experience with the the importing of games. So. Uh, Des, what if what's been your experience? So for me, honestly, I haven't really imported that much. I just remember watching Joe do it, so I was always intrigued by it, and I've always let Joe kind of take the lead on that because you know, Joe, I you know he knows what he's doing. So I always am generally like, okay, Joe, you know, what about this or what about that? But the times that I have uh, done stuff, uh, I was really into. Um, uh naruto which is really kind of funny because i basically was like i gotta i gotta get this naruto game joe and he was just like okay so so i went online and i um i actually uh got one and i imported it from on ebay so i bought it on ebay and it came from china so guess what happened (laughs) no 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 it 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 worked it was the it was the game but booty 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 it was bootlegged. It was hilarious because I didn't know, like, I didn't know, I didn't know from Adam, you know, about about bootleg stuff. So, so yeah, it was straight up bootleg, and I was like, oh well, you know, and it worked fine, but it was just hilarious that it was like, because I didn't know, you know, I didn't know you could you could bootleg, you know, games like that. I was I was new, you know, I didn't I didn't know that. So, <laughs> so I got the games, and and I that was my the thing that made me laugh was. Was I imported that and and it didn't it it was just really kind of like sad because it was like oh all right it's it's a um it's a bad game um and then the only other game that I imported which was another Naruto game but it was for I want to say it was for the GameCube and um and it was just hilarious because I was like okay you know and um and I bought it. And I still have it. It was one of the uh, one of the striker games, if I remember correctly, and I imported it in um, from Japan. Um, I think I still have it, um, actually, because I'm like, I'm never gonna change this. I'm never gonna get rid of it. But because the ones that the Naruto games from from Japan, 
were actually different than just like the strikers or the or, or all the fighters. And you know, I wasn't really interested in in the fighting games. I wanted, you know, an actual you know Naruto like game that I can actually you know run around and and actually do the story and not have it be just like a pseudo fighting game. Like that wasn't I, I didn't like that. So. So Do you ever kinda, play the one on the 360? Just as, as a quick aside. The 360? Um, I don't know. I might have. That that would have been the one that you wanted to play. Okay. Uh, because it was basically like playing through the story. And it wasn't it wasn't a pseudo... It, it, you did fighting, but it was more of like an action game. Uh, it kind of sort of had those semi-arena uh, fi- arena fights that uh, kind of like... Uh, uh, Naruto, the uh, the uh, ninja ninja oh. blade or whatever ultimate you... ninja storm, nin- the ninja yeah. storm series. Yeah, I didn't play those. Like I didn't like. But those. oh, ninja storm, the first two fantastic. The ones really. after that kind of trash. But um, yeah, you want? I forget what it was called. It was, it was an original story too. Um, uh, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, it was. They came out of... exclusive to the 360. Yeah, they're uh, both by Ubisoft of all companies that brought those games out. Uh, I'm trying to think, and let me go and I'll rely on the power of the internet here real quick. But uh, it was Rise of the Ninja was the first one, and the Broken Bond was the second one. But yeah, a, a lot well, of I games, played Rise of the Ninja, and it was fantastic. But the ones that I got were from were from Game Boy. Like they, these are like Game Boy games that I that I got, which was really yeah, kind of cool. From Tomy, right? Yeah, exactly. They were the Tomi Naruto games, and I was like, "These are these are really fun," um, but they were bootlegs ultimately. So I was like, "Okay, yeah." Now you definitely want to check out Rise of the Ninja and the Broken Bond. They're both really good at Naruto games. So kind of feel sad that uh, they kind of lost or didn't make any further games beyond those two. So. Yeah, and so uh, another one that I got. Yeah, it was it was um it was another Tomi game. I'm looking at it right now. I actually have it. I love it. It was um it was for the GameCube. Yeah, it was uh I cannot read it. It was Naruto and it said two. <laughs> it was a Naruto and it said two on it. I have no idea what it was for. I have no idea what the what the game was actually what the game actually was. But it was a, oh, it was a fighter. Clash and Ninja Two, probably. Uh, probably, but I still have it. I still have it to this day. So I'm like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like I, those are the, really the only things that I imported in. I was really down with Naruto when it first came out, and I was like, yeah. So this was all about it. I was about it, about it with Naruto. But um, but those are really the only games that I imported, and, and then whatever, and then whatever Joe was like, you know, hey, this game's pretty cool. We should you should import it. So. But yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Okay. All right. Well, uh, did we get? I don't think we got any feedback from our question to our listeners as to whether or not they uh, have imported. But uh, I guess we'll keep that. We'll keep that uh, that offer going until uh, for another oh. week. Or do we? Or do we have a new question of the no, week? No, we don't have a new question. Pretty much, if you're inspired by our talk about imports, feel free to let us know. Yes, please. If you weren't sure as, um, before what the topic was going to be about, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you got to get deep in your love of the hobby and love of uh, gaming. And if you resorted to, you know, import, 
even art books or you know anything of the like soundtracks you know kind of thing you know just let us know uh just to get an idea you know of what links you went through to you know grab something you know whether it was uh, paying outrageous prices on the back of egm or diehard game fan or whether it was you know trying to import from a bunch of different companies and trying to kind of learn your way around on that to pick up the games you wanted to play the most on that so mm-hmm. absolutely so feel uh, feel free to let us know your impressions or your experiences with importing games uh, and how you can you can get that get your responses to our discussion is through our contact uh, you can reach us at gamingvessels at gmail.com. That's where you want to want to send your emails, whether it's you want to talk about something we discussed on a podcast, give your your um, impressions or opinions about the gaming in general, or if you'd like to even be a guest on the show where we interview you and find out what uh, what makes you tick as a gamer, you're going to want to send that email to gamingvessels at gmail.com. On social media, I am at Shonuff71 on Twitter. I am Shonuff7 on PlayStation Network, uh, which is say which is S H O N U the number seven, uh, same spelling as my Twitter uh, Twitter handles uh, with seventy one on that. Also on Xbox Live, Shonuff071, same spelling with zero seven one on Steam. I am Shonuff71. And on uh, Nintendo, uh, Nintendo Online, when I get over the fact that I have to pay tax <laughs> to activate their online account, I will have an update as to what I am, what my my handle will be uh, on that as well. If it's, uh, it will most likely, I think it's tied to your your account, which is shown up seventy one. Your your your. The account that's linked to your console. I think that's how it does. How it is. I'm. I'm. I'm not sure. Uh, but Des, where can the folks get a hold of you at? Well, you can definitely find me on um, Twitter. I check it sometimes as uh, the Nemo Six N E M O, the T H E N E M O S I X, and you can also uh, find me on uh, PSN uh, as uh, Nemo Tigger N E M O T G G R. And it looks like I will be on game um, Xbox, so you can find me on there as the Nemo Six as well. Um, yeah, so I look forward to playing with some of y'all. So uh, yeah, it's the T H E N E M O, and that one I think is the number six. But you know, you look for me, I'll find you. Uh, Joe, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Fongul, J O E F O N G U L. Uh, as far as PSN on Steam and also on Nintendo Network, I am Kaminagara, K-A-M-U-N-A-G-A-R-A. Um, you could also find me on Xbox. Xbox is Kimu, same, same username, Kaminagara, K-A-M-U-N-A-G-A-R-A, 6966. All right. So with that, we are going to bring Season 5, Episode 14 to a close. For Dez, the Bay Area Terror, and for Trader Joe, a.k.a. the Food Max of Gaming, who will maximize your gaming dollar, I am Kevin, a.k.a. Sean of 71, signing off. Peace!